Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. It's January 19th. Stocks are lower, yields are higher, and spreads are wider. Should we just shut it down for the year, or is this a temporary blip on the road to prosperity for all? I'm Rob Schiffman, and welcome to the first Bloomberg Intelligence Credit Podcast of 2022. Luckily today, we have the best and brightest minds in credit to help us navigate our way past the micro and macro minefields, and hopefully into outperformance bliss. Joining us are Joel Levington, BI's Global Head of Credit Research, and Stephen Flynn, BI's Co-Head of U.S. Credit. Uh, as well as our telecom and media aficionado. Uh, why don't we start it off with Joel. Um, how are you today, Joel? I'm doing all right, Rob. How about you? Oh, never, never better. Um, why don't we start off with a, with a big picture? Um, you know, as the most read BI analyst on the terminal, you probably have the best pulse on what info and ideas readers are looking for. And from a macro perspective, you've recently published a report on fundamental trends and credit medians. And it seems like your analysis is indicating that ratings trends may have peaked. Uh, is that the case? And, and why is that? Yeah, no, that's right, Rob. Um, we did. We uh, Our team just published the 15th edition of uh, credit medians. And um, and you have to start with where we ended off last year, right? Moody's and S&P uh, were very busy in 21 with uh, with very strong upgrade to downgrade ratios. Uh, I believe it was something like uh, three to one at S&P for upgrades and uh, a little bit over 2.3 times upgrades to downgrades in North America. So that occurred across many of the rating classes and sectors and companies um, as companies had reverted back to their performance on, uh, towards 2019 or pre-pandemic levels, uh, with just one exception. And that exception was true across all the rating classes, and that was that profit margins are at all-time record highs relative to the past studies. So if that weakens, certainly cash flow and leverage metrics may weaken as well. Now, our equity strategy team has highlighted that only the energy, real estate, and utility sectors are places where margins aren't showing signs of vulnerability this year, uh, whereas uh, sectors like consumer products and materials have more uh, more exposure in terms of declines. Uh, a recent example of that would be like Sherman Williams, the paint company, uh, cutting their four quarter, fourth quarter guidance after having cut guidance in late October, all due to inflation. So I think that's where the change might be this year, is that margins will be under pressure, certainly in the first half, and that will set off uh, a slowdown of upgrades relative to downgrades. Now, Sherman Williams, so you seem to be painting a, a pretty bleak picture there, huh? <laughs> Very nice. Nice to sure. <laughs> So, you, you know, in, 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 yeah, in the world of IG, it seems like triple B's waver between beloved to loathed. You know, where are we in that triple B cycle now? And do you see risk superseding reward or vice versa? Yeah, we're, well, we're certainly no longer in the loop uh, area, um, at least in terms of the data that we have. It looks like leverage is holding pretty steady, but that's at about three times uh, cash flow, which is higher than the long-term trend, which is uh, more like 2.7 times. 
but there may be maybe uh, further improvement to come. If you look at some of the massive issuers that uh, that are in that triple uh, B category, including Anheuser-Busch, Boeing. I know Steve might talk about AT&T for me, General Electric, uh, for Eden Cheslin, Vodafone. These are all major companies that are pursuing strategies to reduce financial risk. And hopefully that will uh, lead to median improvement in future periods. Energy stands out as a high-risk outlier, and that's signaled both by traditional metrics and alternative metrics, such as the one-year probability of default or DRSK uh, function on the terminal. So that might be the outlier. Okay. And, you know, before we move from to the bottoms up, you know, one of the, the outliers in credit last year was high yield. It seemed like you could sort of do no wrong being long high yield. Um, but it's, you know, sort of pure risk. And um, you seem to be indicating through your median report that single Bs may now be vulnerable. You want to just dig a little bit deeper in, into that area? Sure thing, Rob. Yeah, it starts again with uh, with leverage uh, ending last year. At one of the strongest uh, signals that we had in our in our 15 studies, it was actually uh, signal B leverage was under five times. It was only the second time in our studies where that's happened. So it's starting from a good place, but it, it, I guess it goes back to inflation views uh, and and uh, and where our strategists see the medians or excuse me where margins are going. Uh, single B EBITDA margins were about 250 basis points over the long-term trend in 2021. Now, if you normalize those margins, uh, all else being equal, leverage would rise almost a full turn to about 5.8 times. Uh, so that could be a pretty dramatic swing if you see some normalization of margins, and I think that is kind of the expectation over the next couple of quarters. Now, risk outliers when the category include names like Sinclair Broadcasting, uh, Cooper Standard, the auto supplier, Bed Bath and & Beyond, and Bausch Health. So those might be some of the names that people would want to focus on. Okay. Well, I think if uh, readers are looking for something to do this weekend and um, they're not interested in football, going through your BI credit medians um, would be a great idea. Um, for those looking for the title, it's best rating trends on record may be near end. Um, must absolute must read. You could actually maybe do it between games. Um, from um, from a bottoms up perspective, uh, you know, you, you for a long time have completely dominated the auto space. Whether it's uh, you know traditional auto codes to uh, uh, all the new EVs, whether it's Tesla, GM, Ford, Beamer, Neo, it's, it's a long sort of list. But 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 one note um, that you wrote recently stands out. Um, it's on Ferrari. It looks like it's a it's a, it's an actual focus idea for you, um, and you think the bonds are undervalued. Talk a little bit about you know Ferrari specifically, you know, if there, and if there's anything else in the uh, in the auto space from a rising star perspective you want to highlight. Sure, uh, on Ferrari, uh, and notably it's 2023-25 issues. I, I've been a, a fan of them for quite some time. Um, it's an interesting combination. They they trade. Uh, well, they trade equivalent to kind of low to mid triple B um, in terms of the auto space. So you're comparing it against the General Motors or a Stellantis or a Harley Davidson. Now, when I screen on the company's risk, our analysis suggests it's worthy of mid A quality. So it's about three to four notches stronger than where the bonds trade, and that's worth about 50 basis points. Now, with the Bloomberg uh, European Index at a yield under 90 basis points, with a higher duration than either of the Ferrari bonds, it's it's a pretty substantial difference. Uh, so there's always a catch, and 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 the catch here 
is that Ferrari's bonds are unrated, which makes risk opaque and some accounts not able to purchase. That said, you know, like when we look at it and we do our due diligence, it includes re-engineering Moody's methodology relative to the auto space as well as to the consumer luxury brand space. Uh, although in conversations with them, they would classify it as an auto. Um, we also screen Ferrari's default risk, whether it's one year or five year uh, risk versus the peer group. Uh, we find it to be below uh, names like LVMH or Honeywell. It's even close to your uh, AAA rated Apple. So we're comfortable with the risk views that we have that it could be a, that it could obtain a mid A rating, and that leaves both the bonds at a very interesting risk return profile. And I think they're also quite defensive, um, you know, like given this period of volatility, given their lower duration and high credit quality. So that's one that I would point out. To your other question in terms of potential crossovers and rising stars, there are two names that are on our watch list. Uh, one would be Tesla and the other would be Ford. Now, in the case of Tesla, I think uh, S&P may upgrade them this year uh, to investment grade. Uh, Moody's, I think it will take a little bit more time, one, because they're starting at a, a BA3. Um, that might take them a couple of years to do. Uh, they recently changed their uh, analyst in December, and that might take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. But our re-engineering of uh, the Tesla uh, profile using 2021 and 22 data gets us towards mid triple B today. Uh, so they still have a ways to go. When it goes to Ford, Ford we think can get three potential uh, positive rating actions this year, but it's not likely to cross over into full investment grade until 2023. At least that's our, our look here. So that might uh, disappoint a few folks who are hoping for this year, but uh, our analysis kind of guides us to 23. Well, hopefully if, if, if everyone listening pays attention to your green light on Ferrari, they might all be driving Testarossas by year-end, so listen well on that. Um, hey, Steve, you know, I, there's so much to talk about in your space, um, but since Joel ended it with Rising Stars, um, you wrote a killer piece at the end of last year uh, on Rising Stars across not just uh, TMT, but uh, but corporates in general. There's a, there a couple names in, in your space that uh, are likely to move up this year. Do you want to just make a, a quick mention of those before we get down to the nitty-gritty on, on some other specifics? Uh, sure. Thanks, Rob. Yes, there, there are a lot of uh, rising stars. And what's interesting, these are some of the biggest names in high yield that we could see exiting uh, junk and moving over into investment grade, uh, both in 2022 and next year in 23. Uh, the ones that are potential for this year include uh, names like Netflix, which already has an IG rating uh, from S&P, just waiting on Moody's. That could happen soon. Uh, we have names like Kraft Heinz, HCA, Centene, and Deutsche Bank's Tier 2 bonds names that uh, have potential for upgrade this year. And rising stars, when we look at another year into 2023, Joel mentioned Ford, but other big names include T-Mobile US, uh, Occidental Petroleum, and Freeport MacMoran. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, about DISH. You know, it seems like DISH is, is always in the news, but in particular over the last week. Um, there's speculation about yet another revision of of a transaction with DirecTV, as well as large purchase of Spectrum. You know, it seems like DISH has, has, has talked about building networks and spending money and 
buying spectrum and buying assets for years and years and years. You know, where where's all the money coming from? You know, how do they fund the spectrum purchase? You know, how is it affecting bondholders? You, what do you see as their outlook for 2022? Sure. Um, yeah. So Dish basically has funded its wireless endeavors mostly uh, via its pay TV subsidiary Dish DBS, and it's done that through a combination of cash flow generated at Dish DBS and borrowing at Dish DBS with the funds sent up uh, to the parent company to fund um, its um, its uh, wireless endeavor. Um, you know, the FCC recently sold 100 megahertz of 3.45 gigahertz spectrum. That's great spectrum for 5G network deployments. And they just announced the winning bidders, you know, less than a week ago. And it was somewhat surprising, but DISH was the second highest bidder behind only AT&T, uh, with DISH spending $7.3 billion, which, you know, which is a large sum uh, given DISH has a junk rated balance sheet. Um, and you know, while the company began the year with about $10 billion in cash, um, this will reduce uh, the $7 billion spectrum purchase will reduce that down to about $3 billion. And the company still has massive, massive commitments to meet on the wireless side. It's building uh, a nationwide 5G network, which is going to cost them, they say, about $10 billion. Um, it has agreed to purchase um, $3.6 billion of spectrum uh, that was held by Sprint. This is Sprint's 800 megahertz spectrum that T-Mobile agreed to sell um, to DISH. So that's upcoming. That's $3.6 billion. And they could also be on the hook to backstop $2.9 billion of AWS 3 spectrum that the government will likely re-auction. This is spectrum that the um, DISH bid on a number of years ago. Uh, the government disqualified um, certain parts of their, their bid and they sent the spectrum back to the government, but now have to backstop it. So, listen, this is a ton of commitments out there. Um, never mind the fact that DISH is going head-to-head -head in the wireless industry against behemoths such as AT&T, Verizon, uh, T-Mobile US, never mind the cable companies. And so we think that, you know, this could be very concerning uh, for bondholders of DISH DBS, the satellite pay TV company. Now, again, what, what, you know, these are separate entities, but again, the, the DBS entity has been used to fund uh, the wireless uh, initiatives. And, 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 you know, the company could look to DBS again in the future um, to help fund uh, these outstanding commitments. So a few years ago, AT&T goes out and writes a huge check for DirecTV, and, and, and they bought it primarily because it was a cash cow. And, and, and maybe was a saving grace for either their dividend or, or credit quality. Is that something that that really happened uh, with Dish? Didn't they try this once before and get rejected? What are your thoughts on um, what are your thoughts on a possible Dish Directv combo? Um, you know, and and which bondholders um, benefit the most? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think Dish first tried this what about 20 years ago, and it's been you know mentioned numerous times uh, over the past um, 10 years or so. Um, there was uh, a news article um, a week, two, uh, two weeks ago, suggesting that um, that talks are being uh, reinitiated to potentially merge these two companies together. Now, what's changed? Why is it happening now? Well, AT&T no longer controls um, Directv. 
Uh, the company has uh, a 70% economic stake in DirecTV, but uh, TPG has uh, now has a 30% stake and acquired that. Uh, that deal closed in August, and TPG is supposedly driving these talks to merge uh, the two companies together. Listen, the, the you know, industrial logic behind combining the two companies still makes a ton of sense. Uh, there's, you know, this could be good news for DISH DBS bondholders as a potential for large synergies. However, let's remember that there, there, there's a couple of really big potential hurdles here. Number one, they have to agree to a deal structure that works for AT&T, TPG, and DISH. And um, you need to win regulatory approval. Now, given DISH may need a lot more capital to fund its wireless plan, it may only agree to a deal that provides either you know, a large upfront payment or continued access to the cash flows generated by the combined uh, satellite TV and NAB costs. They have, you know, like we've talked about, huge commitments still outstanding uh, to drive their wireless business forward. Okay. And what about additional m and You know, in, in my world of tech, there's a couple large deals out there that could require, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 billion dollars of debt financing, whether it's Microsoft or Oracle. You know, you've got some, some monster deals, uh, AT&T Discovery, Roger Shaw. Um, what's the status update on, on those transactions? Are, are they going to happen? When? And then, you know, perhaps more importantly for bondholders, you know, when do you think they're going to launch bond deals? So uh, we could see bond deals in the very near future. Both these deals are expected to close within the next six months. Uh, we could easily see them fund, uh, do the bond deals, put the uh, proceeds in escrow pending deal close. Uh, and these could be very large bond deals. So. Uh, Warner Media uh, may incur about 38, maybe $39 billion of new debt prior to its separation from AT&T and merger with Discovery. Um, given Warner Media already has put in place about $10 billion of term loans uh, committed to the deal, uh, we could see the remaining 28 to $29 billion be comprised of new uh, B rated corporate bonds um, that get sold into the market. Um, with regard to the Rogers deal, so Roger expects to purchase Shaw. The cash consideration uh, for the Shaw shares is about Canadian $19 billion. Uh, the company has uh, Canadian $6 billion of term loans uh, already in place, so we're, then we're looking at another $13 billion. It's likely a mix of CAN dollar and U.S. dollar bonds, also triple B rated. I would imagine the U.S. dollar component is, is the largest part, given you know, the U.S. dollar bond market is, is, is much deeper than uh, the CAN dollar bond market, and so you know, we can easily see you know, in the neighborhood of $8 billion or so uh, U.S. dollar bonds uh, to help fund that deal. And that could also be relatively soon. Awesome, great job, fellas. I, I I know there's there's an unlimited amount of stuff that we could talk about, um, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for 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 all, all you guys' stuff on the terminal. Um, so thank you, Joel. Thank you, Steve, for joining us. Thank you, audience, for listening to our BI Credit Chat podcast. You know, in, in 2021, BI Credit had over three and a half million reads. Um, you know, and we can't do it without all our terminal users. I think that number is only going to go up as our team continues uh, to get bigger and stronger globally. Just a reminder, if you need anything from our team, feel free to reach out directly to any of the analysts or simply access the credit research dashboard at BICredG. Please stay happy and healthy. Until next month, may your longs be tighter and your shorts wider. Bye-bye. <laughs>